You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is the Steel Curtain Network's Dave Schofield coming at you. It's the final Thursday of June. We are two down, four to go through that six-week period, and we are chugging on. Now, today's show is going to be much different than the typical Steeler Stat Geek. This is not where I'm going to be answering your questions. I still got some floated out there that I, I'm going to get to. But this week I had an opportunity to talk some stats with stats. Yeah, I have a guest this week. I have none other than Rob Stats Guerrera. He is from our 49ers affiliate at Fans First Sports Network. He worked at ESPN. He worked at NBC Sports. He has a lot of experience in the business, but he's also got the nickname of Stats. And uh, I'm going to have to ask him about that one. So I decided let's go ahead and and do that for this week where we have a chance uh, to talk Stats. And, hey, this is still going to be about Stats. That's what stats and I are going to talk about. And I think I'm tired of saying the word stats. So I am going to pull a Jeff Hartman Monday morning conversation, if you've listened to Let's Ride, to know what I'm talking about. And that is we're going to take a quick break here at the beginning so I can bring you the full interview with Rob Stats Guerrera in its entirety without a break. So stick around. We'll be right back for the interview. When my phone 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Steelers fans, we are back, and as promised, we are going to talk some stats with stats. We have none other than Rob Stats Guerrero with us here, covers the 49ers uh, with uh, FFSN, has his own network there. Rob, how's it going today? I'm great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. My nerds of steel, I'm sure, are ready to hear you talk some geeky stats number stuff. But first, I just have to ask, where's the nickname come from? Tell us more about yourself and about this nickname. So I was an intern at ESPN Radio in about 2004. And my first job ever was to just sit in the radio studio and watch all the games on TV and hand statistics to the hosts that were on the air. Somebody came by, one of the other producers, and said, who is that kid in the studio? And the producer that was, you know, doing the show that was on the air said, I don't know, uh, stats. And so literally, (laughs) that was it. Nobody ever called me uh, Rob after that. They always called me stats to the point where when I was working on Mike and Mike with ESPN Radio, Mike Greenberg called into work one morning on his way to work. But when I answered the phone at ESPN Radio, nobody outside of ESPN knew my nickname. So I would just say, ESPN, this is Rob. Well, when Greeny called and I said, ESPN Radio, this is Rob, he said, uh, Rob, this is Mike Greenberg. Can I speak to stats? I, <laughs> said, <"Greeny>, Speaking. <laughs> Rob is my first name. And then he, he had no idea, even though I had been on the show for like two years at that point. I was going to ask, how long were you on Mike and Mike? Because I remember them talking about you quite often because that was that was when ESPN was something that I, w- I would have it on every morning. I would listen to the radio um, on my way to work. Um, not anymore, but that's back when I did. That was, that was in its heyday. So I was at Mike and Mike for about seven years. Whew. Um, so, yeah, I did that up until I was there from about 2004. 2005 to 2012 uh and then i left to go to nbc when they started Mm -hmm. a sports radio station they recruited me to come launch that and then while i was at nbc that's how i ended up hooking up with mike florio and eventually chris sims on pro football talk i produced that show for a while up until the pandemic and then i got laid off and then eventually caught on with sb nation doing niners nation for them and now uh doing the gold standard podcast network here for fans first Yes, and if if you, I know this is a Steelers podcast, but if you have any friends, family out there that are 49ers fans, I, I know we have to 
um, accommodate them, even if we don't want to. Make yeah. sure you you send them towards the gold standard. It is fantastic content. Uh, Rob and, and his team, they, they really bring it. And if I could tempt you a little bit, our Friday show is me and Michelle Majuk, who is a researcher for NFL Network and a fantasy football expert and a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So <laughs> maybe give the Friday show a listen. There, there we go. Yes, that's uh, definitely check it out because it's really some good stuff. But uh, stats, are you ready to, to talk some stats? Let's go. Let's dive in. So have you kind of in- embraced this persona of you've got to be a stats guy now? No, see, that's <laughs> everybody hears that and they expect me to just like have all this stuff. And I, I have some favorites that I, you know, whether it's individual stats or just over stats about the team in general that I that I like to go to. But I'm not like all into the advanced analytics and all of that stuff. I, I don't disregard it by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not, you know, elbow deep in that stuff. You know what? I'm kind of the same way. I like the stats. I like the numbers. I don't mind doing the research is the big thing for me. I really don't mind diving in and looking through and punching through the numbers just to see what they are. I'm not going to sit back and regurgitate how many rushing yards the Steelers had in week seven of 1994. I cannot tell you that one at all, but I like to look at stuff, look at trends, and be able to, you know, may- maybe see what you can expect or some things that the Steelers would have to overcome along the way. So that, that that's good. I, I kind of like that that's the perspective we're coming from here. So my big question, the big thing I really want to work through here is if, if you're looking at an NFL game, and we're going to say – the 49ers, that's who you cover. If you are breaking down a 49ers game after the fact, what's your what, what's your top five stats that you would go to? What would you look at and say this? I mean, obviously, um, the, the number one number is win or loss. That's really ultimately in the NFL the only thing that matters. I get people that argue with me to say, oh, other things matter. I said, no, even the tiebreakers all come down to win and loss. It doesn't matter if you win by one point, if you win by 40 points. It doesn't matter points surrendered. It's really wins and losses. So wins and losses, and obviously points for versus points against, that determines the wins and losses. But do you have some stats that you think are most indicative of how your team did in that game? The first thing I would look at, and I know it sounds simple, but sometimes the low-hanging fruit is the sweetest. How many drives end in touchdowns for the 49ers? Ah, uh, there you go. So touchdown percentage pretty much. I consistently say field goals are failures. Mm-hmm. 98% of the time, a field goal is a failure. As long as touchdowns are worth twice as much, kicking three is not really doing you any good. And the 49ers specifically love to trot out the kicker in, in short situations in the red zone and kick the field goal on fourth down, and it drives me absolutely crazy because it puts so much more pressure on your defense, and the 49ers are supposed to be an offensive team with an offensive genius as a head coach. I want to see them get more aggressive and stick it in the end zone, so the first one I look at is always touchdown percentage. Okay, that's, that's fantastic. I have one that's similar to that that, that, that would go – you know, not not quite. It's a little bit more specific, and that's on the offensive side. I don't really care about this on the defensive side because you can come up with other things. I also look at red zone efficiency. Mm-hmm. When you get that far 
are you finishing it off with a touchdown? Well, and especially for the 49ers, they, even when they had, you know, Brian Hoyer back there in 2017, they still move the ball between the 20s pretty consistently and pretty easily. That really wasn't their problem. What has bogged the 49ers down in almost every year of Kyle Shanahan's tenure is once they get into the red zone, what do they do? And so that's where my focus is because they've always been able to move it between the 20s. Yeah, because I know touchdown percentage just on any drive you really want to look for. But specifically with the Steelers, they got inside the red zone a lot last year and then settled for the field goal. If you're kicking a 45 to 55 yard field goal, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that I get that. But when you get down that close, it's like you really need to punch it in. And that was a problem with the Steelers in 2022. So I am right there with you with the touchdown percentage, Um, especially, like I said, I took it just a little bit further to say when they even get to the red zone. Uh, Do you have another one you want to throw out here at us? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, this is, again, this sounds simple, but third down percentage. (laughs) One of my biggest gripes with Kyle Shanahan is that he's way too conservative that he needs to go for it way more on fourth down. But if there's one thing he has proven, he generally doesn't do it. Unless it's like fourth and one, he Mm -hmm. almost never goes for it on fourth down. So then third down becomes hyper important for the 49ers because if they don't get it done, they're not going to give themselves that extra shot on fourth down. And again, chances are that drive is not ending in a touchdown. So it all goes back. It all kind of fits together. But third down percentage, what are you doing on third down? And how long are your third downs, right? Because if you're in third and three, third and two, not a big deal, right? Third and six, third and seven, that's when the defense gets crazy exotic. They break out the good plays, and that's when your offense is in a real bind because generally you're not going to be able to do play action in that situation. So it's just a straight drop back passing situation. That is not the 49ers strength. So how they do on third down is key for me. Yeah, and and like you said, you've got to set it up to be in a third and manageable. Third and manageable is key, and that was that was basically the Steelers' philosophy in the second half of the season last year: is to try to you know stay in front of the chains after first down. You know, even if you're only gaining two yards, and, and get there and leave yourself a manageable third down. I had third down conversion on my list as well for both offense and defense. You mm-hmm. want to see that. You know, you want to see a nice high percentage um, on offense versus that nice low percentage. Mike Tallman, he just he calls them possession downs. This is what your chance to get your unit off the field on that play on defense, and your your because you know Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach. Where you're coming with a with a with a head coach that's offensive minded, but on offense, that possession down where if you don't come through, then your unit has to come off the field. I, I think that's a good one. I'm going to ask, what do you think is a quality, acceptable third down percentage for an offense? Like in in a game, not overall for the season, but maybe in a game. Well, I think it depends on what's your down, what's your distance on third yeah. down. If you're in a bunch of third and shorts, you should be you able to convert those. Yeah, you got to be up there, especially with the 49ers. You've got an all pro at wide receiver, at tight end, at at running back. You can't convert third and short? Like, come on. What are yeah. we doing here? So if it's third and three most of the time, I feel like you should be able to convert those, you know, 60, 65% of the time. Yeah. So I, you are exactly right. If you break them down by down and distance, it really should make a difference. When it's third and 10, I mean, you're going to get some of those, but you can't expect 
to, to pull off a 40% conversion rate on third and 10. Uh, Jeff Hartman, our own Jeff Hartman from Steel Curtain Network, he loves to set the standard at 50%. And I keep reminding him, I'm like, 50% is really good. Only one team had a 50% conversion rate on third down for the season last year. So when you're talking about that, that's a pretty high standard. But if you are hitting that in a game, I think that's pretty good. But you're exactly right. It really does depend on on the down and distance. Because there's – oh, especially on defense. Oh, yeah. The Steel, Steelers fans are like, oh, this team is notorious for giving up a third and long. I went back and broke down the numbers. That happens across the NFL. When you're looking at a third and 13 and you give it up. Uh, how, how do you feel like that when, when you see that happen with the 49ers defense? Um. I really can't complain too much. (laughs) They've given up some. They led the league, I think, in 50-yard pass plays allowed last year, so they had Mm. some vulnerabilities. Um, Their safety play was spotty. Um, Because, look, the 49ers are built to get pressure with the front four. They know that their, their linebackers are great, but their secondary is not very good. So they're built to take the pressure off them by getting to the quarterback with the front four and having seven guys in coverage. Problem was, if you don't get to the quarterback, they yeah. they couldn't hold up. So they did give up some third and longs, and they did give up some bigger plays. But again, I'm not going to complain about a defense that, on the whole, was I arguably the best in the league last season. Yeah, see, the Steelers are similar. Their their philosophy is get that pressure on the quarterback. But then you got someone like Minka Fitzpatrick sitting back there that's mm-hmm. waiting for that pressure to make the quarterback make a mistake, and he's the one who makes them pay. So, so I, I kind of understand where you're coming from there, but yeah, NFL fans sometimes don't realize it when they get so hyper focused on their own team that NFL teams give up third and long. Because think about you love it when your offense does it, and you hate it when your defense does it. So it's kind of it, for every offense that does it, there's a defense that gives it up. It's just how it works. The whole league is tilted to get those third downs that the league yeah. wants the offenses to be able to stay on the field so you're going to give up some just because that's kind of how the league wants it yeah. you just can't give up a lot of those every week exactly exactly so do you have another one you want to throw out there to us uh the last one is pretty simple it's just turnovers on both sides <laughs> The 49ers going into last year, I want to say, were, I believe, negative 36 in turnover differential in Kyle Shanahan's tenure. They have always, always given the ball away. Now, luckily, last year... Last year, they were, like, amazingly good. Yes, they had the best turnover differential in the entire league last year, but that is not historically how it has gone under Kyle Shanahan. It was kind of like what I said before. They would move the ball between the 20s, and then the quarterback would just throw a stupid interception. A back-breaking, ridiculous, how-did-you-not-see-the-linebacker-type interception or a fumble or something. Now, they didn't yeah. stop it last year, but that has just trained me to focus in on that. How many turnovers did they commit? How many turnovers did they force? And the reason that, that they looked so good offensively in the second half of the year last year is because they almost never turned it over, and the defense was generating two turnovers a game down the stretch. That's a pretty good formula for success. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I do an article after every game where I, I give some of the, the best numbers uh, from the game. I always start off with the turnover margin because it paints so much of the picture. If you are, are winning that t- turnover margin or, or keeping it even, you have a much better chance to win the game. I mean, 
last year with the Steelers week one, they get the overtime win in Cincinnati. They had to have a plus five in order to pull that game off. And if you remember 2019, Week three in San Francisco. Oh, I remember. They, they, you talk about a team that just stalls in the red zone. They kept giving the ball to the Steelers, kept getting the takeaways, and being field goal range, three plays, field goal. Three plays, field goal. And it, it, it finally came back and, and bit them at the end. Jimmy Garoppolo threw the winning touchdown pass to Dante Pettis. I remember that game well. And, you know, that game has scarred me. Because there was one play in that game where the Niners had somebody run across the formation and they kind of went, it was a shotgun formation, and they went in front of the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage and they mistimed the snap. And the snap hit the mm-hmm. guy and they fumbled it. And yeah. every time they do that since, I worry that that's going to happen again. And that's from that game. <laughs> I, I know what you mean there. I'm the same way when it comes to trying to run the Wildcat. Uh, when the Steelers did that against the Bills in 2019 on Sunday Night Football, coming out of the two-minute warning in the first half, they, they were they had just gotten a takeaway. They had the ball down there. It's I was at the stadium and I talk about this one all the time. I was like, no, 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 because they they ran the Wildcat and they ran it with James Conner, who usually wasn't back there. And what happens? They they fumble the handoff um, and they just give it right back. And uh, turnovers are just. They they make your they make your team when you get those takeaways, but man, they're devastating. I mean, last year the Steelers lose at home to the Ravens after Kenny Pickett get not, gets knocked out. They lose by two points, and three times they turned the they threw in Mitch Trubisky threw interceptions, where they they ended up with the ball inside the Ravens twenty five yard line. I'm like any one of those could have been a field goal to win that game, and you end up just handed it to the other team. Turnovers are huge. So I, I really appreciate it. I have two more. I kind of want to get your opinion on these. Sure. Okay. One of them, penalties. Yes, that was on my list. <laughs> there you go. Penalties. I look for the penalties because especially in a loss, and it's not just the penalties, it's the difference in penalties between the two teams. Sometimes you just get that officiating crew that they just want to flag everything. So you're going to see, oh, man, they had nine penalties. Well, their opponents had eight, so it, it kind of evened out a little bit. But when you are when you have 11 flags and your opponent has one, you that's just a lot of that, especially the, the pre-snap stuff, just the lack of discipline and things like that, that drives me nuts. How are you as being a time of possession guy? I did have time of possession on my list. Um but it it depends on a lot of things. Like there's so it much. needs context, doesn't it? Yes, because you could have no time of possession, but if you've thrown four 70-yard touchdown passes, you're doing just fine. Yeah. Um, but if your offense is stalling out and or you're you have one really long drive that you know chewed up a ton of clock, but then you've got three, three and outs, you really need more than just the actual time. You have to really watch the game. But I do think it matters. I do think like there's a reason where a team might have a, a big lead in the first half, and then all of a sudden the second half they start to give it back. Check the time of possession. People get tired. This game yep. is played by human beings. So I did have time of possession on there, but it does take a little more than just saying, oh, they had five more minutes or ten more minutes of possession. You do have to kind of watch the game. Yeah, it, it's usually time of possession 
you couldn't look at a time of possession and predict the outcome of the game. A lot of times you could look at those other stats. You, you look at the turnovers, you look at the third down conversions, you look at the, the red zone or just per, or, or touchdown percentage on any drive. And you're going to, to have a pretty good indication of how the game could have played out. Time of possession is not one of those things. It might tell you why it did, but it's it's not as predictive as as some of those other things. If that's uh, a game I should play sometime with someone where I just take a a number of stats and say this is what happened, tell me what you think what the outcome of the game was because sometimes you can predict them, but time of possession is not one of those. Do, do you have any stats that uh, I I know this is a little bit off script here that kind of you don't care for that people put faith in that you think might not be all that it's cracked up to be. Some of the advanced stats are a little frustrating to me sometimes. DVOA, mm-hmm. yeah, EPA, because there have been so many times with the 49ers where we're looking at the game the week before and we're saying, well, this team stinks. That the EPA per play on this team for this play is not very good. The 49ers kill them in that area. And then we get to the game, and the 49ers can't do that exact thing. And, so I just, <laughs> and maybe it's just a 49ers issue. I don't know, but I feel no, like I think it is. <laughs> they're as predictive as some people think. I always just look at it like this. All, all that stuff is one tool in the toolbox. If I was going to try and build a house with just a hammer, I'd have a pretty hard time doing it. you got to use all the tools. So it's fine to have some of that stuff. That's good. There's information you can learn there. But some of the older stuff that we've been looking at for a long time is also good. You just need the proper context. Exactly. I don't dive into a bunch of those big advanced statistics. Now, the most advanced stuff that I use, well, well I'll, I'll go into individual players in some places where they say, how many times were they targeted? How many receptions did they give up in yards? Those are the most advanced stats that I go into. But when you're talking about, you know, the, the DVOA and stuff like that, I, I do kind of steer clear of those. I'll give you a, just a regular old stat that a lot of people love to to break down and be the judge of things that I'm not sure because it's so out of context that I don't know that I always buy it. How about yards per punt? I think that's one that, man, does your field position really matter whenever you go to determine that? The best punt the Steelers had last year was a 38-yard punt. But with just around 30 seconds left in the game against the Falcons, three-point lead, they chose not to kick a really long field goal. Uh, I don't. I think Chris Boswell was even out that game. They chose not to go for the long field goal. They took the penalty, punted the ball, down the ball at the two. Atlanta had thir- less than 30 seconds, no timeouts. And, of course, the next play ends up being an interception to Micah Fitzpatrick because they're kind of panicking on their own goal line. He could have ran it in for six, but he was too smart. He, he took it out of bounds so they could take victory formation. But to me, I'm like, that's, a, that's the best punt of the season, and it was only 38 yards because of what was going on in the game. Yeah, absolutely. The context, again, is everything. You have to know where they are on the field, and that can be a real weapon for you. If you can pin the other team deep, that you're, you're going to affect their play calling. You're going to affect everything, especially when you have a good defense like the Steelers and like the 49ers. You're sitting there saying, great. Go ahead, try and get six first downs to move the ball down the field against us. We're gonna we're gonna predict that's not gonna work for you. So yeah, you can't just look at the average distance and say, oh, this was a good day, this was a bad day. Because it all depends on where he's punting from. Yeah, because so many times you could be like, oh wow, the Steelers had a pretty good good punt. There a lot of people are critical of the Steelers punt game, but they say that was a pretty good punt. 
Yeah, they punted from their own 40 and, 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 you, and you netted 58 yards. That's pretty good. But when you're punting from your own 15 and your net's 40, no, that's, that's really not getting the job done. So it really does. I, I even said, I, I suggested it in one of my articles, I want a, I want a new punting stat. I want them to, to, to give, me, give me an advanced punting stat that's called field flipping punts. I want to punt any time that it's inside the, your your thirty yard line or in, and you put the ball, you put the, you set up your opponent at their twenty yard line or inside of that. To me, that's a field flipping punt. Or then, if you bump it back to your own twenty, you give it to the thirty other team. It's not just about distance. It's did you really change uh, the where where the possession works? So many times the Steelers would play the Ravens, and they would come up. You'd have them pinned deep. And they would just boom this punt. And next thing you know, instead of getting the ball close to midfield, you're actually back inside your own 20-yard line. It, it could really make a difference in a game. But then again, why are we talking punting? <laughs> you started it. I started it. It was me. It was my fault. All right. So we're, we're going to do this scenario. I'm going to have you answer for the 49ers. I'm going to answer for the Steelers. This is the week one matchup coming up with these two teams. The Steelers have not – They've gone eight straight seasons opening on the road. I don't know if you realize that. This is their first week one home game, I'm pretty sure, since 2013, um, if I throw the year out there properly. Um, Might have been 14. It, one of those. I, like I said, I don't, I don't remember every number in, in my head in that way. But this is going to be a big one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question. I want you to answer from the 49ers' perspective, and I'll answer from the Steelers' perspective. If the 49ers beat the Steelers in week one, the key stat will be what? The key stat will be drives that end in a touchdown. (laughs) I don't think any – I think scoring is going to be very, very difficult in this game. I could Mm -hmm. easily see the 49ers scoring one or maybe two touchdowns and having to depend a lot on their field goal kicker because the Steelers' defense is great. And I don't love this situation for any of the 49ers quarterbacks. If Brock Purdy is healthy enough to be there week one, great. How much action is he going to have gotten? How much time with the starters is he going to have gotten coming off of that major reconstructive career-saving elbow surgery? Not much. If it's Trey Lance, the dude has barely played since 2019 when he was still in college. I don't love that. And he's coming off a major injury last year with an ankle dislocation. If it's Sam Darnold, it's Sam Darnold, and he's learning the new system. So no matter which quarterback you pick for the 49ers, it's going to be very tough week one. The Niners are historically slow starters under Kyle Shanahan. They scored less than 20 points a game in week one throughout his entire tenure. So there's that. So that's why I say if the Niners can get two or three drives that end in touchdowns, they got a shot, but I don't think they're going to be able to do it. That's really interesting because I, w- I was going to, you know, maybe as a joke, say uh, Brock Purdy attempts would be the key stat for the Steelers. Is is he going to play or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do just to make sure, do you feel he is the 49ers' best option going forward if he's available in week one? Oh, you're, you're <laughs> in territory because I, I've been a Trey Lance guy. I feel like he's just never had a chance because of a variety of circumstances. But the Niners have basically told everybody, because of what Brock did last year, he's going to be the guy. So as long as he's healthy enough to get out there, it's going to be Brock, at least to start the season. Mm -hmm. I have 
angered many 49er fans because I am refusing to jump on the Brock Purdy train. I don't get on any quarterback's train until I've seen really good seasons for multiple years. Anybody can have a good season for one year. Josh Freeman had a year where he threw like 26 touchdowns and six interceptions, something like that. And a lot of people are going, who's Josh Freeman? And that's the point. (laughs) So a lot of 49er fans are mad at me because I won't say that, you know, Brock is the next great 49er quarterback. We got to see, but he's certainly not going to look like it week one against the Steelers. That would just be a fun matchup with, you know, the first quarterback taken in 2022 versus the last quarterback taken in 2022 uh, and, and see how that plays out. I'm going to say, uh, I believe it or not, I'm actually going to go there. If the Steelers fall to the 49ers in week one, I think it's going to be time of possession. I think if the 49ers control the ball, because the Steelers aren't a defense. Now, granted, they did give up the longest play in the NFL last year defensively with a 98-yard touchdown to the Bills. But that those problems might not even still be on the Steelers' team. And that, that just didn't happen in the second half of the season last year. I think the Steelers want to control the ball. And if they aren't able to control the ball, rather because their offense isn't or because the 49ers' offense is getting the job done, I think that's going to be – um, a key stat there. So let's flip it around now. You're still the 49ers. I'm still the Steelers. If the Steelers beat the 49ers in week one, the key stat will be, and you you are permitted to use the same answer if you must. I'll go sacks. I have already having nightmares about TJ Watt against Colton <laughs> on the 49ers offensive line. You know, they let Mike McGlinchey go to Denver, which I agreed with because he got like 50 million guaranteed or some crazy number like that. He was not worth that. But they chose to replace him with Colton McKivitz, a guy who's just – he's kind of just been like a spare guy, mm-hmm. you know, which is fine if you've got other people in front of him. But when that guy is your starter, I get nervous. And T.J. Watt is a force. I know there's a ton of talk. You know, Niner fans like to talk about Nick Bosa being the best defensive player of the league, and he certainly had a great year last year. T.J. Watt's been banged up a little bit. When he's healthy, he completely transforms that defense. And anytime the 49ers are in a straight drop-back passing situation – T.J. Watt's going to be able to get pressure on whoever the quarterback is anytime he wants. So I look at sacks because it could be quite possible that Pittsburgh just disrupts the entire 49ers passing attack. That's very interesting because there's some stuff going on with the Steelers that I don't know that you could would even possibly be aware of. Now, first, T.J. Watt, you are exactly right. Last year, even when he came back, he was a shell of himself. You could tell by his technique that he didn't really trust the peck. But the Steelers were 8-2 and two with him and 1-6 and six without him. That's telling right there. But T.J. Watt is on the verge of the Steelers' all-time sack record. I'm pretty sure he's it's three he needs three more oh, uh, to, to to tie James Harrison but he is not in second place second place and still active for the Steelers one sack ahead of him is one Cameron Hayward I think it'd be really interesting to see Hayward set the record and then TJ take it from him in the same game we're thinking probably week two but it, it Maybe you have me convinced that the TJ can get those sacks in week one and set that record. That would be really nice to happen right away. But uh, I, I, I'm so glad you said that because a lot of times Steelers fans get the perspective so much of their own team, they don't understand what 
other teams look at when they see the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's TJ Watt. I mean, Alex Highsmith had 14 and a half sacks last year. But when 90's on the field, you're you're keying on 90 and not on 56. 56 is going to get what he can get. Just like 97 and even 99 and Larry Ogunjobi coming back, hopefully have a stronger year this year as he was dealing with injury a lot last year and still had a strong year last year for the Steelers. Those front four guys, when you're thinking about the Steelers being in pass coverage, even even though because, you know, they're, they're a 3-4 defense, you're typically thinking of, of four guys when you know you're going to be in a passing situation. That's pretty stout. So that's a really good number when, when it comes to sacks. To me, I'm going to say if, if the Steelers win that game, I, I, I think it is going to be the turnover margin. I think they have to force – you know, whether it be the strip sack, whether it be the interception, they need to to force the takeaway and take care of the football right away. Steelers fans are excited about this one because even when they didn't have the strongest year the last two years, look at what they did in week one when they had the extra week to prepare for the preseason. They, they upset Cincinnati last year. They upset Buffalo the year before. So bringing another really strong team – I think Steelers fans would rather play the 49ers week one than any other time during the season. And I would rather play the Steelers later in the year <laughs> for the exact yeah. reason. Shanahan is excellent when he has gets to study you and see what you've been doing on tape, and he knows exactly how to make that hurt you. He knows how to make that work against you. But if he doesn't know what you're going to do, he doesn't have the same success. Go look at how they have started under him. And every year except 2019, they have started very, very slowly. That's why I was not thrilled to see this on the schedule in week one. Yeah, and and it's one of those Steelers fans, they, they really were wanting this one. Well, first of all, they were just ecstatic to get a home game to start. So that's, that's always a, a good thing there. I think this is going to be a, a pretty key matchup. Would you call it? The 49ers offense versus the Steelers defense is really the 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 strength on strength. Um well I think the strength of the 49ers is their defense. Okay, so you that's that I, I think the 49ers are pretty well balanced. That's why I thought I'd ask. The defense is consistently good. The offense before they traded for Christian McCaffrey last year, the 49ers were scoring less than 20 points a game. The offense is not always there. Now, once McCaffrey got there, they got rolling. They ended up scoring 33 points a game down the stretch with McCaffrey. But it, it, sometimes it's broken with Kyle Shanahan. But that defense for the Niners, they always show up. They always play physical. They fly around. They are going to smash you. So I think the defense is the strength of the, of the 49ers team. That's why if, I don't think that Kenny Pickett's going to be able to move the ball very much. So if the offense, that's why I said, if they can get two touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns, I think that'll be enough. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, but I think that's all it'll take. That I, that's why I wanted to get your opinion on that, because I was really curious um, where, what you thought, because I, I feel that they are, the 49ers are really balanced. The Steelers are not. It really is more about their defense than their offense right now, but – the offense is pretty much the same unit with some, with hopefully some improving pieces added to it this year where the defense, my goodness, I just did an article uh, for, for the website 
about how if you look at the Steelers' starting lineup from week one last year, it's basically the front four guys that I talked to you about before and Minka Fitzpatrick. Everyone else is going to be different. Everything wow. else is different. They, they completely revamped their inside linebacker room, and they've, and they've cycled through in the, in the secondary. But one of the biggest questions is, and of course Steelers fans, I'm extremely hopeful, you hear the name Patrick Peterson, and you think hopefully that means you have an improvement in the secondary. But Father Time is undefeated. We just got to see if he's knocking on the door yet there. So that'll be an interesting one to see. I'm really excited about this week one matchup. But, hey, I'm, I'm sorry that I've kept you so long here. It's, it's just fun talking stats. Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, anything else you want to make sure that you get out there that, uh, that, that people can find? So you can follow me on all the socials, at Stats on Fire. And if you want to check out the 49ers coverage we have, check out the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your audio pods. We have a website, goldstandardniners.com, N-I-N-E-R-S. That's my website. I write a bunch of articles up there. Uh, so you can go check that out as well. And, uh, yeah, that's it. We're, I mean, we're everywhere. YouTube, wherever you want to find your coverage for sports, uh, we're there. So, and I hope, uh, like I said, I hope people do uh, give us a chance, at least for week one, right? You want to learn a little about the Niners? I know I'm going to be – I'll be spying on the Steelers, on the Steel Curtain Network. So, uh, you know, for week one, we could do a little cross-pollination. Yes, I have a feeling this is not going to be the last time uh, we hear from you. And I have a feeling that perhaps you might even be hearing from us as well uh, as we lead up to these things. Because, man, it's that week one, is that, that's just the one that you look for. And it's, it's so much anticipation. So it, it really is a lot with with the 49ers that's the focus. But thank you so much, the great Rob Stats Guerrero, joining me here today. Really appreciate all, all the time, and thank you very much, Rob. Thanks, Dave. There you have it, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I hope my Nerds of Steel really enjoyed that one. I had a lot of fun talking stats with stats. When you're getting to where you're talking statistics with a person with the nickname of stats, it's like you've entered some weird vortex that you don't know where you're going to emerge. But that was a lot of fun. And the fact that you could we could break down the Steelers' Facing the 49ers, that's the big matchup coming up to start the season. That was a lot of fun. You're going to hear from Rob again, I'm sure, between now and week one here at the Steel Curtain Network uh, because being a part of Fans First Sports Network, we'll make appearances there. He'll make appearances here, things of that nature. That should be a lot of fun. Make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts here at the Steel Curtain Network. We've got our, our normal lineup running through for the most part. There's going to be some changes coming basically because there's some, some things with family situations going on to where we're having to uh, adjust some stuff. But bottom line is, if you subscribe, wherever you get podcasts, you're going to get it no matter what. And that way you can look for it, anything coming from Steel Curd Network. And, of course, as we said before, check out Rob over at – the gold standard at fans for sports network or, or any other possible. I'm not talking NFL because I mean, we're Steelers, but any other team you could be interested in, there's a chance that we have it there at fans first. So whew, that does it next time we talk, we'll be halfway through the dead season. So I'm just going to end it how I normally end it. Thanks for geeking out. <laughs>